Welcome to the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Dave. And this is episode 17, Religion and Politics. Welcome to the Sandbox. So right now we're in the midst of a huge political campaign season. News of the presidential race is everywhere, on TV, on the radio, in the newspapers, and people all around us are talking about it. And then in the midst of this national conversation, faith continues to play an important role. It takes the form of everything between the way a candidate's faith might subtly influence their political perspective to candidates who wear it on their sleeve to a point that seems, to many, insincere or dishonest. We recently caught up with an old friend of mine, former Congressman Tim Penny. We had a great conversation one morning. Anyways, Tim served in the Minnesota State Senate from 1976 to 1982, and he served six terms in the U.S. House of Representatives from 1982 to 1994, where he represented Minnesota's first congressional district. He currently serves as the president and CEO of Southern Minnesota Initiative Foundation, where key interests include early childhood and entrepreneur development. Tim is also a senior fellow at the University of Minnesota's Humphrey Institute. So welcome Tim Penny into the sandbox. So, uh, you know, Tim, you are a six-term U.S. congressman? Yeah, six terms representing South Central, Southeastern Minnesota in the U.S. Congress. What role did religion play in your campaigns? Well, I I didn't wear it on my sleeve, but my Norwegian-Lutheran heritage was in every piece of campaign literature I ever okay. handed out. Yeah. I've often joked that before I got elected for decades, uh, Minnesota had been represented by um, uh, politicians who were Norwegian Lutheran Republicans. Okay. And uh, I got elected in 1982 as the first Democrat in almost 100 years, and the previous Democrat served one term. Okay. Uh, and, <laughs> and, um, and I was a Norwegian Lutheran Democrat, so okay. I, I concluded after that that Norwegian Lutheran mattered more than Democrat or Republican. <laughs> uh, but that was then, yeah, and, yeah. and of course things have changed. I was replaced by a, a, a German Catholic Republican, and <laughs> now he was replaced by a German Lutheran a German Lutheran Democrat. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, the, the things are more ecumenical in southern Minnesota. <laughs> right. uh, although, uh, uh, yeah, uh, although uh, the, um, the population here is a lot more di- diverse um, than, than it once was, um, mm-hmm. our, our politicians are still somewhat monolithic in their um, ethnic and faith backgrounds. Was it difficult, uh, as uh, both in office and in your as you were campaigning, to maintain your your identity? Uh, my identity as an individual, as a, um, as a, or as, as an a individual person, person of faith. Um, you well, you know, faith is is sort of at your core. Mm-hmm. And and you know I often say you know I often hear people talk about eh, you got to keep your religion out of politics. Well, you know if you're a person of faith, it, it's it's there in your decision making process. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the tenets of your faith have a strong influence on what you bring to public service. Um, and and so I you know I, I I would not necessarily quote scripture as to why I was voting this way or that way in an environmental issue mm-hmm. or a. Uh, an issue dealing with disability or with civil rights or whatever the question might be, but my my religious um, faith um, 
strongly influenced my thought process about, mm-hmm. you know, what is the proper role of government and how do we take care of one another. Uh, you know, it, but, but I think having said that, uh, it, it, it's, it's not um, entirely prescriptive. You know, so let's say as a matter of faith that you want to take care of those less fortunate. Mm-hmm. Well, th- there are different programs. Some may be more effective than others. Mm-hmm. Some may, may create a better return on investment. Some may be more cost effective than others. Uh, so, so just because you want to be compassionate and, and take care of the less fortunate doesn't mean there's only one way or one program right. that defines that. So I think there's still room within you know, your, your faith upbringing to, mm-hmm. to kind of look at an issue um, and sort of explore you know, mm-hmm. how best in, in the public arena do we, do we speak to that issue? How best do we address that issue? And, and I think that gets lost sometimes. One of the pitfalls of faith and politics is, is that on certain issues we, we sometimes narrowly define What's, what's the Christian thing to do? What's, mm-hmm. what's, what's the faith-based thing to do on this issue? And I um, think uh, we need to have, I think, a, a bit more respect for the, f- the possibility that there might be different views right. within a faith-caring community as to how best to address uh, an issue we all know needs to be addressed. Well, and, I, and I've often said that, I think, um, and, and just to speak, I mean, Faith. I mean, I, I don't know. You can which faith do you want to choose? I mean, all different kinds of uh, religious faith, but uh, just with, even within Christianity itself, it's got a wide bandwidth. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, just and when you talk about just well, what's the faith-based thing to do? Well, when I think about that, when I hear that, it makes me think of one narrow set of 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 po- politics that you know only. This is a, this is where the faith vote is. Yeah. Well, it's not that. It's it's so much broader than yeah. than what anybody uh, gives credit for. Yeah, you you know. It, it, well, let's just take the issue of um, uh, economic disparities. Mm-hmm. Um, there are probably th- three ways you can look at that. You can look at that as we need more government programs that that uh, redistribute mm-hmm. resources in a way that. That, that helps uh, people who are um, getting the short end of the stick in mm-hmm. our economy. Uh, you can look at it about, uh, in terms of growing the economy so that unemployment comes down and better job opportunities are there mm-hmm. for everyone and then incomes rise for all. Uh, or you can look at it as a combination of the two. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, so there's no one way you can say is the only way uh, to address that concern. Right. Um, and um, you, you can kind of translate that to a whole range of issues where um, knowing that it is an issue, a legitimate issue, and it needs a response doesn't necessarily say, well, there's only one response, and that's to create a new government program and transfer money. There, there mm-hmm. might be some economic principles. There might be um, educational approaches. There might be training, um, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that, that could be as effective or more effective than simply um, creating another subsidy program. Right, right. And, and I think we need to be more open to uh, a debate about what really works, you know, what, what really empowers people, what really lifts people up, what, what actually gives people uh, a, a path forward. And I think that's a more unifying way to have the conversation mm-hmm. as, as opposed to saying, well, you just don't care. 
okay. be, because I don't agree with your approach. You just don't care. Uh, that's an exclusive and a dividing kind of uh, way to approach mm-hmm. an issue like that. Uh, why can't we start with a, a presumption that we all care? Right. So you, what's your approach? What's my approach? Where's the common ground? Mm-hmm. And, and, and what approach actually helps in the way that we want to help? Mm-hmm. But how often in your experience did you actually see that? I mean, when I think about politics, especially with issues related to religious ideas, there just doesn't seem to be a whole lot of coming together to actually solve problems. It seems like maybe those ideologies run a little too deep. Oh, it's, it doesn't happen nearly often enough. <laughs> I, 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 I've joked frequently that in politics, you, know, you can work pretty hard. And I've said it's like getting on a treadmill in the morning and walking all day. And when you get off, you're in the same place. <laughs> <laughs> and, and politics can often be that way because it it, it very often isn't about finding the common ground. It's about pointing fingers and placing blame. And, and where does that get you? Uh, I think a piece of that is, is driven by sort of the, the imperative to win. And winning for your side doesn't necessarily mean you had anything done. It just means that you persuaded people the other side is worse. And, <laughs> and um, we as voters reward too much of that in our political system. And uh, so in that sense, I think we, you know, what, what can we do? I think it was Martin Luther, I, I'm paraphrasing, and I was told he said this mm. by Reverend Jim Ford, who was the chaplain of the House of Representatives. He said that Martin Luther uh, uh, once said that uh, you send your good people into the ministry and your best people into politics. Uh, and because, <laughs> because he said we, we, we need the best people possible there. And, mm. and I, I think... Um, I, I remember him also admonishing us that, um, how did he phrase it, that, that a good Christian is a good citizen. So um, when you look at it that way, it, it doesn't mean that we bring into politics some theocratic approach to, to every issue. It means that, that we bring into the political arena a sense of how we ought to be civil toward one another, we ought to be respectful toward one another, we, we ought to be compassionate toward one another. And that then uh, creates um, uh, an environment in which an honest dialogue can occur. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and too often we, we reward um, in the political realm people that, that don't come at the issues in that way. So, so let's say, what does it mean to be a, a, a good citizen? I, in, in my judgment, it means, for example, that even though most of us belong to at least one quote-unquote special interest group, whether it's the Sierra Club or the NRA, mm-hmm. you know, we shouldn't take as gospel everything that our special interest group feeds us through a text message uh, or an email or um, a mass mailing. Uh, because the special interest groups aren't about finding common ground. They're about their special issue. Interest, They're yeah. about their special interest. And even though we may be inclined toward that issue, and that's why we joined the group, don't take as gospel everything we get from them because that has and, – and, and beyond that, we ought, to, we ought to seek more sources of information. Uh, it's too easy today to get caught up in our own little, our, our own little world of this is, this is the, the BuzzFeed that I'm paying attention to every day or this is the only news channel that I listen to every day. You know, broaden your horizons. You're traveling down the road, flip from public radio to Fox News. I mean, get a sense of the broader debate. And, and, and the third thing I would say is get engaged in something uh, that's purposeful, that you have passion about but something that exposes you to other people who may not be of the same political persuasion. 
and find out by your own experience how you can work with others, learn from others, and find that common ground. And so, I mean, if that's the kind of citizen you are, then I think it, it might lend you to, to seeking candidates that, that are a little bit different than, than those that are, um, you know, basically telling us what we want to hear or, or basically spouting the party line or, mm-hmm. or, or being, uh, you know, partisan at the expense of finding common ground. So one of the things that you said was, you know, about being a good citizen. Um, when I first met you, you were running for governor. Oh, yeah. And Do we have to talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I learned a lot about the, the, the hurdles you have to leap in order to win as an independent. Wow. If you don't have celebrity or wealth, it's a hard, hard path. I, it, it, but having said that, I mean, it was the right idea. It just yeah. didn't work out. Yeah. And I'm glad yeah. I tried. And, and in some respects, you know, um, yeah, you, you learn more from your defeats than you do from your victories. And... Um, and uh, I can't complain at all about my life since yeah, then. Yeah. Uh, things have worked out really well. But, um, but one of the things that, that would happened around that time was you announced uh, that you were running for governor, but you had already committed to doing a mission trip with the church. Oh, yeah. And, and it was over Fourth of July weekend. Now, Fourth of July weekend, that's the time you got to be in every parade shaking everybody's hand. Yeah. But you had already committed to doing the mission tri- trip, so you did a mission trip. Yeah. with youth in South Dakota, I think, yeah. probably painting fences and taking care of people. You did that. And from what I could tell, there wasn't a single news outlet that knew that that's what you were doing. And I think some politicians would exploit something like that. Nope, I'm, you know, I'm not going to be in any, because I'm doing that. You know, you could have made a big deal about that. It's not how you're hardwired. Yeah, it's an interesting thing uh, because people say that they want politicians that are grounded and in the real world and living a normal life. Mm -hmm. Uh, But but then on the flip side, everything about winning an election is about um, giving up all the things that represent your real life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or if you do things that seem, you know, like the average person to, you know, get the news cameras there so they can see you being the average person. (laughs) To to me, it is one of the the main tenets of our faith is is some humility, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but also integrity in in being who you are. And I think maybe one of the reasons uh, Martin Luther evidently said, uh, send your good people into the ministry and send your best people into politics is because I think he understood that in the political realm there are all sorts of forces that are pulling you, frankly, in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. It's all about power. It's all about um, uh, winning the fight. Uh, it, it's all about ego. Um, it's all about taking care of special interests as opposed to the common interest. And there are temptations in the political realm that are perhaps greater than the temptations you might face uh, in in other walks mm-hmm. of life, mm-hmm. and you know if you're if you're going to live with integrity, that starts with being yourself, and not doing things simply because of their what political benefit, mm-hmm. or or the political rewards you might mm-hmm. obtain for doing things, and so I, you know so I, I recall one other thing I did just about the time that I announced for governors I went down to Chicago, and helped <laughs> load up uh, a van with 
furniture for a new pastor that, named Dave Berg that we were bringing to our <laughs> congregation. And was I, I, I might have been the council president at that time. I think, I think you yeah. were, and I, I had no idea. I'm like, yeah. what, what are you doing this summer? Besides moving all my junk <laughs> up to Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So anyway, that, that um, you know, all through my campaigns, um, Sundays were sacrosanct. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and we didn't make a big thing of it. As I said at the at the outset, yeah, I put that I was um, a member of St. John Lutheran Church, right? Or prior to that, Trinity Lutheran Church in New Richland on, on my campaign literature, along with, you know, I'm a graduate of Illinois State, and I, you know, I've done this and I've done that. Um, but I, I, I think I think you live your faith, and you hope that speaks for itself. But it's, it feels like anymore. I, I think. It, Time was, you know, you put that, that was a part of your, your literature, you know. And it felt like, and, it, and from what you've said, your Well, fate, and it matters to people. I no, mean, of they, it they, 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 they like to know that. Yeah. But I, I don't, um, but I didn't, I, I didn't assert anything beyond that. Yeah. Except yeah. that, you know, I have this affiliation and. It informs. It informs. Who you are. It's, it's a piece of who I am and. Yeah. and you should know that, but I think it feels like anymore. Time was that your 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 faith would inform your politics. Now it feels like your politics informs your faith. It's kind of a, a uh, wagging the dog, the tail wagging the dog kind of a thing at times. Yeah, yeah. it can be that way. Yeah, and I I think um, to the degree um, you have certain views on a public policy issue, it it will incline you toward. A certain mm-hmm. congregation or a certain denomination, uh, there's no denying that. Um, and, and you know, I can only get back to my comment earlier about, if, as I described it, good Christians being good citizens, people of faith being good citizens. But I think a piece of that is is not um, to make your politics your faith or your faith your politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's more to um, I, I think. Focus on sort of the underlying churches are about, um, as I said earlier, about living a life of integrity, approaching your your role as a boss, as a, a family member, as a community mm-hmm. leader with some humility, showing compassion, being um, inclusive, and and it seems to me that if you intertwine your your politics and your faith to too great a degree in in terms of uh, a very narrow definition of what your faith is based on what your politics is mm-hmm. that yeah that you by conflating those mm-hmm. I, I think you're you're the integrity is not yeah you're losing the integrity yeah, of of yeah. your faith when when you do that because you're sort of allowing your faith to be co-opted by your politics yeah. and um and I, I think um, you know it's one thing to respect that in in a religiously diverse society, um, you know we we have a right to those religious differences, and we have to be respectful mm-hmm. of those religious differences. Uh, but I I think living uh, living your faith is is. Um, is something that requires an integrity that that separates your faith from politics in 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 a partisan way. Okay. Because nine times out of ten, you, you lose something in that trade-off because the, the politics will win out over the faith. 
I think it's a it's a bad bargain. Well, what else should we know? I think you've covered it pretty we, well. We, we I mean, the, the, the one thing that I thought about as I agreed to do this was um, sort of words to the wise for, for voters. I mean, if they want to be good citizens, um, it, it's not particularly helpful to to have your ma- mind made up before the discussion even begins. It's not particularly helpful for you to, you know, f- feed yourself only sources of information that reinforce your point of view. Mm. It's not particularly helpful to presume that your special interest group, whichever one you might belong to, uh, has the corner on the truth, mm-hmm. um, because very often the interest groups don't have an interest in finding middle ground on an issue. They want what they want, and that's mm-hmm. all that they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, to to me, a lot of this really comes back to us: is how can we be better voters? How can we be more discerning voters? And then the other piece is, so then what does that mean you look for in a candidate? Mm-hmm. And I think it, 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 for the most part, if you want things to get done instead of things to just fester and, and um, you know, gridlock to persist, uh, you, have to, you have to be open to candidates that show a genuine capacity to think for themselves, uh, to be respectful of the other point of view, to once in a while vote against their own party or their own party's interest groups. And, and, and to conduct themselves on the campaign trail uh, with, with the kind of integrity that you would want them to exhi- exhibit once they're in office. So to me, those on, on both sides, you know, how you can be a better citizen and how you can be a, a better voter in terms of what you look for in a candidate, those, mm-hmm. uh, those to me are kind of elemental mm-hmm. if we're going get, to um, get to where we need to be as a, as a society. Great. Well, Tim, thank you so much for your your time and for for hanging out with us today. Hey, thank you. What a great conversation. I really appreciate Tim's perspective. Anytime the idea of religion and politics gets brought up, especially during an election sequence like we're in, everything is supercharged, tumultuous, and, and emotionally over the top. Talking with Tim, I could hear him encouraging everyone to just stop take a deep breath, and put it all in perspective. When we were done recording our interview, he said to me, I don't go to church to find my politics. I go to church to find my bearings. I don't go to church to find my politics. I go to church to find my bearings. I like that. When we find ourselves in in conversations where religion and politics come together, emotions run high, there's often anger, outrage, fear, and as we talked about in our last episode, outrage engages the reptilian brain and causes us to respond in ways that we can later regret. Maybe it would be helpful to pause, to rediscover our bearings, and to respond accordingly. There was a time when the ancient people of Israel had lost their way, their society, they had lost their entire, their entire way of life was in question. It was in chaos. In short, they had lost their bearings and they had to figure out how to live and work and be community again. With this as the reality, one of the prophets in the scriptures said this, he has told you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? but to do justice, and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to act? Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly. 
I think that could be a lesson for all of the candidates for office this year. I think that could be a lesson for all of the Facebook and Twitter warriors trying to advance their religious and political agendas this season. I think that could be a pretty good lesson for all of us right about now, in whatever place we find ourselves. He has told you what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. Before we take off, we, we wanted to let you know about some exciting things we have coming up. In a couple of weeks, we'll be sharing a conversation we had with philosopher and author Peter Rollins. And looking ahead, on May 1st, Shane Claiborne will be joining us in the Sandbox for our next Sandbox Cooperative live event. Shane will lead us in a conversation about social justice, peacemaking, and Jesus. If you're anywhere near Rochester, Minnesota, you'll want to join us for that, or you can participate in our live stream of the event. For more details, be sure to check out our website at sandboxcooperative.com. It has been so much fun hearing from our listeners over the past several months, and we'd love to keep the conversation going. Let us know what you think about this and other topics on Facebook and Twitter, and be sure to rate us on iTunes. Hearing from you is so helpful as we continue growing this conversation and this resource. Thanks for listening. See ya. Bye. Please watch your step as you exit the sandbox.